Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Declaring Liberty. I am your host, Mark Pantano, and before I begin and get into the issues today, I'd like to take a few moments to explain a little bit about this podcast. I get a lot of new listeners, and they may not be familiar with me and familiar with the show and how I do it. So I'd like to explain a little bit for, for the new listeners where I'm coming from. Let me say, let me say it this way. It's very difficult, in my opinion, to be a conservative at this point in time. The reason that it's difficult to be con a conservative is that it's almost impossible to have a serious discussion about anything in this ridiculous political climate that we're in. I've never seen in my lifetime politics that were so singularly focused on a single person, the president. Now, the president is always driving our politics, is always at the center of our politics. It's just the nature of the system. He is the only branch of government that all power is vested in one single person. You know, we have three branches of government. You got the judiciary, you got the, the Congress, and you got the president. Now, the, con the Congress and the judiciary, each are made up by lots of people. Okay, so there's no singular spokesperson for either of those two branches, but the presidency is different. And so for that reason, you know, and the fact that it is, it is he, the president, who executes our laws, uh, it, it is basically seen as the national leader. He drives our politics more than anybody else. That being said, I've never seen a time where any conversation that you even attempt to have with people it is about Trump, whether you want it to be about Trump or not. There are few people who can carry on a conversation about anything political and not have it center on Trump. You can't even just have a philosophical conversation about, say, for example, the nature of debt and how our current debt uh, will impact our future. Because especially, and I'm talking people on our side, the, the left is nuts, insane. Everything they talk about is through the prism of Trump hatred. Okay, we, we know this. They're batshit insane. I'm directing my comments more to people on our own side. Even so many of them, you can't even have a serious conversation about anything with. So for example, debt. We have a $22 trillion debt. Okay, it's a serious problem. I talk about it often. We just got a budget deal that I will talk about a little bit here that is an absolute disaster. And we can't even just talk about the policy. We can't even talk about what debt is going to do to the future of this country without people on our side reflexively defending Trump in the middle of that conversation. You can't even just talk about it in the abstract. It always devolves into a conversation about do you support Trump or do you not support Trump? So if you have a problem with today's debt and this budget deal fiasco, well, then you're anti-Trump. It, it's this binary world we live in. You're either pro-Trump or you're anti-Trump. And that's it. And so since Trump signed this budget deal, if you have any problem with it, then you're anti-Trump. It's freaking ridiculous. 
It's completely unserious. And it's beneath free American citizens to speak this way. In many ways, our party has devolved into a cult of personality where Trump is at the center of everything. Now, this is why I want to explain where I'm coming from. I voted for President Trump. I support President Trump. I'm going to vote for President Trump again in 2020. I want him to succeed. And the reason I want him to succeed is because I want our country to succeed. When I talk to you on this show, I'm talking to you as an American citizen. And when I talk about the president or the Congress or our government in any way, I'm talking about those things and those people as an American citizen who has a right to speak out on these issues. You know, I shouldn't even have to explain myself in this regard. But our politics are so nuts, so personality driven, so tribal that I feel the need I gotta explain this so that you understand where I'm coming from. Because with so many people, if you say anything critical about something our president does, that's it. They don't, they don't, they, they tune you out, they lump you into the your anti-Trump category, and now you are their enemy. I really I've never seen anything like it. People on our own side treat you as an enemy just because you question or have a problem with something the president does. Look, I don't know Trump. I'm never, I've never met the man. I probably never will meet the man. He's a stranger to me, just as Barack Obama was a stranger to me and George W. Bush and Bill Clinton and every other president and all these politicians. They're strangers to me. I don't have any personal connection to these people. I have no personal loyalty or devotion to these people. They're elected representatives of one form or another. I'm an American citizen. I vote for people that I that I think are going to do the best job for the country based upon what they said when they were running. And then I hold them accountable. And if I disagree, I speak out. That's what all of us should be doing. But you can't really do that in today's politics. Not in a serious way. Not. I mean, you could do it, as I do. But it's hard to find anyone with whom you can have a serious conversation. And that is where my show comes in. And and the approach I take to my show is, I come to you as an American citizen speaking my mind. Okay? This is not a pro-Trump or anti-Trump show. Now, I support the president on balance with most of the stuff. I want him to succeed. So I'm coming to this show as a Republican, as a conservative, as a Trump supporter, and I want the man to succeed. But I'm not going to, I don't do this cult crap that so many people on our side do. I refuse. I will not do it. And so that's where I am. Now, if you just want the cult show, if you just want you know, Trump is great 24 hours a day. If, that, if that's what you want in a talk show, if that's what you want in a podcast, this isn't the podcast for you. There are so many others that fit that bill. You want to just listen to Trump cheerleading and you want to listen to a host who's just going to tell you that every single thing that Trump does is brilliant. No matter how, no matter what you might, well... 
No, let me just say, no matter what the man does, it's brilliant. If you want to hear that all the time, there's plenty other places to go. Okay, go to Rush Limbaugh. He, that's that's all his show is anymore. Go to Sean Hannity. All right, go to the Fox News lineup in the evening. Except for Tucker Carlson, he's the only one who might. Um, well, I don't even. I should probably even should, shouldn't even say that because I don't even watch him anymore. So I don't know what the hell Laura Ingram's saying or really the rest of them. I listen to Tucker. That's the only one on Fox News I can stomach. Um, so I don't know. The point is, you want to listen to nothing but Trump cheerleading, then go someplace else. There's plenty of other places, and that is also something I wanted to touch on today and I'm going to get to it in a little while why talk radio and our conservative quote unquote conservative media is a huge part of our problem right now and ironically is a huge problem for the president and his reelection right they don't think they are trump doesn't think that they are but they are and I'm going to explain that a little bit now, so, so that's where I'm coming from with this show. And I, I'm just simply not going... Look, you can't be all things to all people. You just can't. Some part of that is going to be fake. And I don't do fake. I can't do fake. It's just not in my personality makeup. I can't and I won't even attempt to. So when you are just going to be brutally honest... Uh, you're going to turn off a lot of people, especially if you're a brutally honest and principled conservative at this point in time, you're going to piss off a lot of people on our own side. I understand that. I've been struggling with this for quite a while. You know, I had mentioned to some people uh, in 2016, before the election, I had mentioned that it would be better for my career if Hillary Clinton won. I didn't want her to win, and I certainly wasn't going to vote for her. I was, you know, I was ecstatic when Trump won. But I also understood the reality that it would be, you know, it would be best for the country if Trump won, but it would be best for me personally and selfishly if Hillary Clinton won. Now, I'm glad she lost, and I voted for Trump, and... I would do so again every single time, given that choice. Um, but I knew it would be difficult for me uh, under a Trump presidency. And I was absolutely right about that. And the reason is because I'm honest. I'm principled. Uh, I voted for Trump for policy reasons, not because I just he was the head of my team and I just vote for the team, like so many mindless sheep do. Um, and they don't really care at that point. You know, once once Trump was elected, they, they really don't, many of them really don't care what he does. They support him no matter what. So, you know, there's so many things that he has done that if Obama had done them, these same people who are cheering him would be up in arms, just screaming bloody murder. But because he's Trump and he's their guy, uh, they're fine with it. Well, that's not me. If he does something that I don't agree with, then I'm going to let you know. And I'm going to explain to you why. And I knew that 
if Trump were to be elected, that of course that's what I would do. And it would piss a lot of people off on my side. And I am, you know, turns out I'm absolutely right about that, unfortunately. And that's not a comment on Trump. That's a comment on the people on our side. And that's really my biggest problem in the age of Trump is not even Trump. It's the what it has exposed about the people on our side. For many of them have expo been exposed to be no better than the people on the left. And I'm just talking, you know, I'm talking about a lot of our conservative media, but I'm mostly talking about voters that, uh, you know, that I interact with, that I hear from on social media and elsewhere, and that I see making comments on social media to other people. It's much more a comment upon them. They are... Ah, look, I don't want to belabor that point. Let me just start getting straight into the issues here. And uh, I might explain a little bit more about what I'm talking about as we do so. Now, I mentioned this budget deal. That was, to me, the big news last week was this horrendous budget deal. Not the Mueller thing. The Mueller thing was theater. It was a circus. Um, I mean, I watched it. I tweeted a lot about it. And I was, you know, I was thrilled to see this Mueller guy exposed for the incompetent fool that he clearly is. Now, he may not always have been a, an incompetent fool, and I don't think he was. I think he is over the hill. I don't think he was up to this task. But he wasn't conducting this task anyway. He was the figurehead. And the only thing I'll say about this, it's been talked about to death. I'll say this. <clears throat> and I've spoken on this whole Mueller investigation a lot. And it was a travesty. It never should have been allowed to happen. Um, and all of that. Mueller, the way he conducted it, the man is a hack. He is a corrupt political hack who is part of this whole cabal. There's no doubt in my mind. And what else is clear now after that hear those hearings is that he was just a figurehead. He did almost nothing in the course of this investigation. He just turned it over to probably Andrew Weissman, uh, but he certainly turned it over to all these partisan hack Democrat lawyers that he hired and, and put on his staff. They're the ones who ran this operation. What we really need is a DOJ investigation of this investigation. What the country has been put through for three years, I think we need a full accounting of what the hell happened. You know, Attorney General Barr should be appointing a task force or a person in charge, a special counsel if he has to, whatever. He needs to put someone in charge of investigating this Mueller investigation. Because it is not what it was portrayed to be. And it was obviously a part of this witch hunt. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But so, I mean, that was important. But to me, long term, the most important thing that came out of last week was this horrendous budget deal. Make no mistake about it. It's awful. It's awful on the policy and it's awful on the politics. First, the politics. Remember when Trump signed that disgraceful omnibus deal and he promised he would never do that? I mean, that was a bit, that was one of the worst moments of his presidency. You know, one of the top five, I would say, is when he signed that omnibus deal. 
And remember, I don't know if you remember this, it was over a year ago. The news was that he was going to veto it. And then, you know, it came out that in the morning that he was going to veto it. And then there was a press conference that Trump had scheduled. And everyone, let me try that again, everyone was expecting him to come out and explain why he was vetoing this omnibus bill and what his demands were. But that's not what happened. He ended up uh, explaining to us why he was signing it. And basically the reason was because of the military. As if the military wouldn't have been funded if he vetoed the damn bill. Like Congress, like what? Congress, the next, but what, we're just never going to have a budget? Of course we're going to have a budget. He vetoes it. Congress would have to send him something else. And what, they're going to send him a budget without funding for the military? No. So, I mean, that was bullshit. It was an excuse. It was a justification for a cave. It's all it was. But it's been the justification that they've been that Trump has been using ever since. That, oh, I got to keep signing these things because of the military. But at the time, he told us, oh, I got to sign this from the military. But he told Congress, I'm never signing anything like this again. And, of course, he did. Um, he's pushed, you know... He signed on to this ridiculous budget deal. And the politics of it are this. The man has no leverage anymore. Not that he was using any of this leverage to begin with, but he has zero leverage now to get anything he wants out of Congress. The budget process is the president's only real tool vis-a-vis Congress to get them to do what he wants them to do. And his veto is really the only weapon he has. That is the that is the mechanism that the founders gave him to impact the budget process and the lawmaking process. And if you don't use it, then you don't have anything. You don't have anything else. You know, all you can do, I guess, is tweet. But that's not going to accomplish anything. So, but. What this budget deal did is not only did it continue this profligate, reckless spending, but it increased it. Hundreds of billions of dollars more than we're spending now. And as it is, we already have almost Obama-era deficits. Our deficit this year alone is on track to be over a trillion dollars. And now we're jacking up spending even more under this ridiculous budget deal. And not only does it increase spending, increase the deficit, increase the debt, but it also locks this in until after the 2020 election. So this deal takes the budget process completely off the table until at least 2021. Locks this spending in until 2021. <clears throat> so until then, Trump is powerless now, uh, really, to, to affect anything coming out of Congress. Because he just gave away all his leverage. And in truth, he really, the moment he really gave away all his leverage completely was in the government shutdown when he caved to Nancy Pelosi. That's when, that's when Congress knew. That's when the Democrats knew that they had him, that they don't have to give him an inch. They knew it right then and there because he caved on the government shutdown. And if you cave on a government shutdown, then your veto threat, even if you are to issue a veto, your veto threat is 
They don't care. All they got to do is wait you out because they know you're not going to keep the government shut down for long. Not after that. So step number one, cave number one was the omnibus. Then the government shut down, sealed the deal. And now here we are. Trump has no more leverage. And I don't think he's going to have any more leverage with uh, a Democrat Congress for the rest of his presidency. Now, hopefully we won't always have a Democrat Congress. Hopefully Trump is reelected. Hopefully we get a Republican-controlled Congress. Maybe they'll actually do something this time, and then maybe things will be different. But as long as Democrats control even just one branch of Congress, the president has no more leverage over them because they don't take him seriously because he caved. Because he caved on the omnibus and then he caved on <clears throat> the government shutdown. That's just the truth. And this is what I'm talking about. If I'm going to be honest about the politics, then I'm going to be honest about the politics. And I will tell you things like this because that's what I honestly believe. Because I really believe what I just said to be the absolute truth. Now, in this age that we're currently in, this moment in time... If you're a conservative, if you're a Republican, you say this kind of stuff, um, you like are treated as an enemy by like three quarters of our party. That's just that's just the way it is, because that's taken as, oh, you hate Trump. You said something negative about Trump. You said he caved. Well, he did cave. No, he didn't. I mean, you just. And what they do is as long as Trump can give them an excuse, then that's all they need. So. The excuse on this whole budget thing from the omnibus to the government shutdown to now, it's always the same. We have to sign this crap burger in order to fund the military. And so when Trump's, you know, announced that he had reached a deal with the Democrats on this this budget deal, what did he say? Oh, this is a big win for the military. That's how it's couched now. It's always couched in terms of, well, we had to do this for the military. And as long as you give the people on our side that excuse then that will be their answer to everything. So if you say that Trump caved, well, then you're just a Trump hater. And he didn't cave. He had to because of the military. What do you want him to do? Veto it and not fund the military? I mean, this this is the level of stupidity now that has taken over the Republican Party. And again, this, is even, this isn't even a comment about Trump. This is a comment about the, the, the stupid people on our side. The stupid, stupid people on our side with whom you cannot have a serious conversation about anything. So if you want to have serious conversations about things, if you want to um, you know, applaud the president when he does good things, criticize him when he does bad things with the hope of maybe pressuring him to undo it or not do it again or do something different, you know, the way we used to do it in this country, what do you think that whole petition your government for a regress of grievance, a redress of grievances thing is about? It's about influencing your elected representatives and your president, your members of Congress, to do what you want them to do. That's what speaking out is all about. And if you refuse to criticize your elected officials, whether it's your member of Congress or your president of the United States, then what, what ability do you have to influence them while they're in office? If all you do is applaud them, no matter what the hell they do, well, then they don't really need to give any consideration to what you want because they know that, well, yeah, you say you want A, but if I do B, you're still going to applaud me. So I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. I'm going to do whatever's easier for me to do. 
because you're not going to hold me to the promises. You are going to applaud me no matter what I do. And if that is your, your attitude, is if that's the way you approach politics now, if you just mindlessly celebrate the president for whatever he does and just, you know, if it's, if it's something that is in complete opposition to what he promised before and it's like he's doing the opposite now, if your explanation for that is that it's some level of interdimensional chess or something, um, you know, it's just some brilliant move that none of us mere mortals can comprehend, well, then you're just an idiot. You're not a serious person. You're a doormat. You're a doormat. Someone makes you a promise. You vote for them based on that promise. Then they do something different. And then you just cover them for them by saying, well, he, he's just so smart. This is 5D chess. You know, he's this is art of the deal. He's so far ahead of everybody. This is just a brilliant move. He's got him right where he wants him. So I support it. Yay! If that's you, just, you know, I'm glad for you to listen. But you might be happier somewhere else. Uh, okay, so... And to my point, I printed out a tweet here. And I posted, you know, I posted about this when this budget deal was announced. Um, I tweeted my displeasure with it, why it was, you know, such a horrible deal. And I, I got one person who... This is just... This is just illustrative. I've got most of the most of the replies I got were just, you know, hate from Republicans, you know, because I'm a I'm a traitor because I dared question this budget deal or dare to say it was a lousy deal. So I'm, I'm a traitor or a Trump hater or never Trump or I'm starting to sound like Ann Coulter, all this stupid crap that these uh, these mindless cultists write to me. But I also got a lot of people who uh, didn't, you know. Didn't pile on with the personal attacks, but said something along this line. And this is a tweet I got uh, in response to one of those tweets that I put out. I agree with you, Mark, but you do remember, quote, throwing granny off the cliff, unquote, and, quote, the Republicans want your kids to die, unquote, etc. If the president fights this battle now, that's all we would hear about from now until Election Day. I get what he's trying to avoid. Okay, so... That is representative of a lot of the the, uh, the responses I got. Now, what's interesting to note about this is that this, what this person responded to me, is almost verbatim what Rush Limbaugh had to say about this budget deal. Because I listened to Rush. Because I knew that Rush wasn't going to criticize it. Now, if Bill Clinton had signed this budget deal, Rush Limbaugh would be, you know, destroying him on his radio show. But I knew that wasn't going to happen. He wasn't going to destroy Trump. He wasn't even going to utter a single critical word of Trump. But I wanted to hear what he was going to say. And this is what he had to say. Rush's hot take was, well, this is brilliant. Well, of course, because for Rush Limbaugh, everything that Trump does is brilliant. The most brilliant thing ever done by the most brilliant person ever. So Rush went on to say, this was brilliant because what it does is it takes away the Democrats' ability to criticize Trump over this budget. You see, if there were any cuts in this budget, then 
the Democrats would accuse us of wanting because the, the whole pushing granny off a cliff thing that was Democrats ran ads against Paul Ryan, uh, you know, showing him pushing some woman and some old grandmother in a wheelchair over a cliff. And they ran those kinds of ads against Republicans. And what Russia's is saying is, oh, well, this is brilliant because since now Trump is agreeing to Nancy Pelosi's budget deal. Now Nancy Pelosi can't accuse him of wanting to push granny over a cliff. And doesn't want, you know, can't accuse us of wanting poor people to die for budget cuts or anything like this. So that's the brilliance. See, it, it, it takes away the Democrats' ability to criticize Trump. As if the Democrats are going to be without the ability to criticize Trump now. Oh no, what are they going to do? They're not going to say anything negative about Trump now because he signed this budget deal. Really? You know, they call the man racist. They call him Hitler. All this stuff. Uh, even if they say you're going to push Granny off a cliff, that's nothing compared to calling you Hitler for crying out loud. But I guess that's the brilliant move now. As long as we just do whatever the Democrats want, that's brilliant because then they can't criticize us. Well, if that's our if that's our perspective, if that's what b- constitutes a brilliant political move, then there's really no purpose of having a Republican Party anymore. There's no point in electing Trump. I mean, if you're going to listen to Rush Limbaugh. And the most brilliant thing you can do is just to sign whatever Pelosi wants you to sign. Well, then, you know, we don't need Trump. Kamala Harris will do that. If all we're going to do is pass Democrat priorities and Democrat budgets when we have a Republican president and then we call that brilliant, then there's absolutely no reason for us to elect a Republican. Except for the courts, I guess. But, you know... In truth, we're not doing that great of a job on the courts. I know that goes counter to what everybody on the right says. Oh, he's transforming the courts. Does it look like the courts have been transformed? Oh, well, he has appointed more judges than anyone's ever appointed. Yeah, well, do you see that reflected in the judiciary? A lot of his appointments have sucked, to be quite frank with you. Let's just take the Supreme Court. He's had two appointments. Gorsuch was a great appointment. Kavanaugh sucked. We have not improved the Supreme Court. That's the truth. In fact, it might be, and we're going to just have to wait and see how this Kavanaugh shapes up, shapes out, but it, it, so far, he sucks. So far, all indications are this guy is going to be another John Roberts or worse. Remember, he clerked for Anthony Kennedy. He loved Anthony Kennedy. Anthony Kennedy was a horrendous judge for the conservative movement. He gave us so many of the worst opinions of the last quarter century. And this is the guy that Brett Kavanaugh puts up on a pedestal. And so far, he's showing every indication that he's going to be just like that guy. So, we had Gorsuch. Uh, That was good, but did that, you know, did that shift the court? No, because he was replacing Scalia. And you're not going to nominate anyone. You're not going to appoint anyone to the court who's better than Scalia. So at the very best, we got, we're even there. And, and of course, we're not even there because Gorsuch, Gorsuch, as good as he is, he's not as solid as Scalia. But he's still a great pick, okay? Not trashing Gorsuch. He is a great pick. Then we have someone to replace Anthony Kennedy. And who do we replace him with? That was our real shot. 
to move the court to the right. And who did Trump pick? Brett Kavanaugh. He whiffed on that. If he had appointed another Gorsuch-type person, then we would have significantly moved the court to the right. He would have truly taken a serious step towards transforming the courts with that one appointment, but he blew it. He appointed Brett Kavanaugh and gave us another John Roberts, Anthony Kennedy type. And in the long run, he may turn out to even be worse. I mean, he could surprise. I mean, he could surprise me and end up being more conservative as time goes by. Uh, but so far, he's already moving to the left. And show me one single justice that you can point to who got more conservative over time on the court. You can't name one because it doesn't happen. It only happens the other way. And Kavanaugh is showing every indication so far of being one who is going to follow that pattern of moving to the left. So, didn't mean to get off on a tangent about the courts, but the point is. Going back, obviously, you know, look, Trump's picks are going to be way better than Hillary's picks or anybody else. I'm not, pff, I, I, I'm, I'm not uh, suggesting anything different. So, obviously, much better on the courts than any Democrat would be. So, other than the courts, if our position is that the way to to succeed in the presidency for a Republican is to simply sign whatever crap bills, whatever budget fiascos the Democrats give you, if that's the new brilliant, as Rush Limbaugh would have us believe, then other than the courts, there's no reason to elect a Republican. Other than the courts, there's no reason to reelect the president. Now, I would st even if that were the case, I would still vote for Trump. Even if he was exactly the same as Democrats on every other single issue, which of course he's not, but even assuming he was, just on the issue of the courts alone, of course I would still vote for Trump. But not everybody would. And that's why this is not brilliant. That's why this is stupid. There's two reasons why it's stupid. It's stupid on the policy and it's stupid on the politics. It's stupid on the policy because it's shit policy. Continuing this massive deficit spending over a trillion dollars a year, continuing to spend at Obama level deficits. I mean, and that's. Oh, my God. And to hear this out of Rush Limbaugh, how much was he ripping Barack Obama for his massive deficits? We have the same deficits now, in essence. And now Rush Limbaugh says this is brilliant. $22 trillion, over $22 trillion in debt. We're adding a trillion dollars or more every single year to that debt. There's going to be serious long-term consequences. And I don't think I'm going to be able to get to it today. I just not going to have enough time. But we're going to talk about the long-term consequences of massive debt, um, either today or maybe the next time. But I'm going to get into that a little more substantively. But So it's crappy on the policy, continuing these massive debts, the expansion of government, going in completely the opposite direction of where we should be going. It's crappy on the policy, and it's crappy on the politics. And the reason why is because just because Rush Limbaugh thinks it's brilliant, there's a lot of people on the Republican side. I know we're a distinct minority, but there's a lot of people on, this, on our side, the serious people, who are disgusted by this, who are outraged by this. This is not what we voted for. Now, I'm going to vote for Trump despite this, because what is our alternative? 
and you're probably going to vote for Trump because what's our alternative? But there's a lot of people out there, and maybe some of you, who won't. And I would urge you to reconsider that because we, at the very bare minimum, we need to not let a Democrat president nominate judges and Supreme Court justices. So we need you need to vote for Trump. If, if for that reason alone, you need to vote for Trump. So I'd urge you not to sit this out, but to vote for Trump, you know, despite the fact that you might be pissed off about this budget deal and his failures on immigration and his failure to... Uh, repeal and replace Obamacare, all this stuff. And I know you got a long list of complaints. I understand that. But I mean, even if just for the courts alone, you you can't sit this election out. But there are a lot of people who will. That is the reality of it. That is what the history of politics in this country shows us. That they may not vote for the Democrat, but when people are not happy with your policies, they think you've betrayed promises, all this stuff, they just don't vote. And most people, even most people who are unhappy with Trump on the conservative side, will still come out and vote. But there will be people who do not. And the question is, will that be enough to throw the election? And the problem for Trump, and why this is not brilliant, despite what uh, Maharishi tells us, is that Trump did not win a landslide in 2016. His electoral college victory was much bigger than the closeness of the race would indicate. The race was much, much closer than the electoral college total was. And the reason for that is many of the states that Trump won, he he won by a razor-thin margin. Take, for example, the Rust Belt states, Midwest states in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. He flipped those states. He would not have won without those states. He won each of those states by less than 1%. Now, if you begin to lose people who voted for you in those states in 2016 because you don't keep your promises or because you spend just as badly as Barack Obama did, that you sign shit budget deals like this. And by the way, that budget deal... More Democrats voted for that deal than Republicans. That's a Democrat bill. That's Nancy Pelosi's bill. Nancy Pelosi just, you know, Trump just rubber stamped Nancy Pelosi's budget. Is that what you voted for? It's not what I voted for. And a lot of people who are serious about the issues, who understand the consequences of long-term debt, the long-term consequences of our massive current debt, And it's not just long-term consequences, as I'll talk about when I get to this. There are are real-world current consequences to this massive debt now that nobody talks about. But the long-term consequences of this unsustainable debt are catastrophic. And so a lot of people on our side who are serious about this and who voted for Trump last time might not vote for him next time. And while most people still will, how many sitting at home will it take to, to give the election to the Democrat? When Trump only won those three states I mentioned by less than 1%, it doesn't take a whole lot of Republicans staying home because they're so disgusted with things like this budget deal and his failures on immigration 
Doesn't take a lot of them to stay home to give the election to the Democrat. And so that's why not only is it stupid on policy, it's stupid on the politics. But you're not going to get this kind of frank assessment. Well, I was going to say anywhere else, but that's not entirely true. There are other places uh, where you'll get this. But no major no major talkers, that's for sure. Just uh, some small fries like me who are out there trying to be honest about this stuff. But you're not going to get this from a Rush Limbaugh or a Sean Hannity or a Dan Bongino or any of these big-name guys because they're just cheerleaders. And they're, either, they're cheerleaders for one of two reasons. They're cheerleaders because just that's who they are, that's what they do, as is the case with Rush. Because you know, I've been listening to Rush almost 30 years. Every single Republican president... You know, from George H.W. Bush on, uh, he was a cheerleader for every single one. The only time he came close to criticizing president in any significant way of our party that I can remember was George H.W. Bush over the comprehensive immigration stuff. But since then, I mean, and with Trump, no, forget it. He's never uttered a negative word about Trump. Everything Trump does is brilliant. So the point is, come here. Come here for the serious talk. Okay, we got to be serious about saving this country. And that means we have to have candid, honest conversations about this stuff. And if we're just going to tell each other that signing Nancy Pelosi's budget deal is the most brilliant thing ever, then we're going to deserve the fate that we get. If we follow the Rush Limbaugh's of the world, then we deserve the fate that we're going to get. And it isn't going to be good. It's not going to be good. It's going to be a future of massive debt, of unfettered illegal immigration, and ultimately collapse of the country. And that's the, th that's the other thing, too. If we're going to be serious about what we've accomplished, this is why it's difficult. It's difficult to be a conservative right now. Let's look at what, what have we accomplished on the big issues. When I say the big issues, I'm talking about the issues that have the most long-term impact for the future of the country. And in my opinion, and I don't even think it's intellectually arguable, the two most important issues to the future sustainability of our republic is illegal immigration and the debt. Those two things... If we do not get them under control <clears throat> really soon, those two things are going to destroy the country. Now, what does destroying the country look like? I don't have the first freaking clue. It could be any number of things, including the country breaking up. That, that could happen. Civil war, that could happen. Some sort of limited civil war. Um, utter and total economic collapse and descent into third world status. That kind of thing could happen. That's what's going to happen. Some, some, something catastrophic along those lines is going to happen if we do not get illegal immigration and this debt under control. 
Those are the two most important things. What have we accomplished since Trump has been in office on those two most important things? Absolutely nothing. And in fact, it's worse than nothing. Both of those things have gotten appreciably, demonstrably, significantly worse since Trump took office. Barack Obama added more to the national debt than all previous presidents that came before him combined. Under Trump, we are adding to the debt at the same rate. We are adding over a trillion dollars to the debt every single year right now. So that has gotten, the debt has gotten worse. How much worse? By like a trillion dollars a year worse. So we haven't made any progress on that. It's gotten worse. And and we just made it even worse still with this horrendous budget deal because we're adding hundreds of billions of dollars more to the deficit right now. How about illegal immigration? Have we have we made that any better? Pfft, no. That has gotten worse. Illegal immigration is much worse now than the day Trump took office. As bad as it was under Barack Obama, it's worse now. Now, has Trump done some good things? Of course he has. He's done a lot of good things. Chief among them is deregulation and the tax cuts which have allowed the economy to take off. That's no small thing. That's a big deal, especially to the people whose lives it's positively positively affected by allowing them to find employment or get raises or keep more of their own money. Okay? None of that is trivial or insignificant. However, there's really very little long-term that that has solved. Okay? Even with the, the economy, We've increased the debt. So we haven't even reaped the benefits of an improved economy. We haven't taken the opportunity of an improved economy and increased tax revenues in order to offset some of this debt. No, we've doubled down on debt and made it worse. So we missed that opportunity. But the other point about it is economies go up and down. Okay, The economy that we have right now is not going to be the economy we have five, five years from now or 10 years from now. It's not always going to be this great economy. It's going to go down. It's going to be in the tank. You know, 10 years from now, more than likely, people are not going to be raving about this great economy that we have right now. You know why? Because we're going to be living in a different time and that, that good economy came and went and it's really not impacting anyone anymore. But you know what will be impacting people in 10 years from now? This massive freaking debt that we're piling up right now. The millions upon millions of illegal aliens that we are allowing into this country. We're still going to be dealing with those two problems 10 years from now. So yes, the economy is terrific. It's, well, I won't say terrific because that's overstating it, as I will get to when I discuss the debt. Our economy isn't nearly as good as we are being led to believe. Do you know what our growth is right now? Third quarter growth was just uh, adjust. Oh, second quarter growth was just adjusted down to 2.1%. 2.1%. Trump likes to tell us this is the greatest economy ever. That's only if you look at certain numbers. Unemployment, yes, you can make that case. Growth, oh, not even close to the greatest economy ever. We're not growing at the greatest rate ever, not even freaking close. 
We grew much faster than this under Bill Clinton, far faster than this under Ronald Reagan. This is anemic growth. 2.1%? That's, that's not good, folks, 2.1%. Not with an economy that has full employment. We have full we have full employment. The unemployment rate is under 4%. That's, you know, economically speaking, economists will tell you, that's considered full employment. And yet, our growth is only 2.1%. One of the reasons for that is the massive debt, which I'll get into. That debt is crippling our ability to grow and expand our economy. Government is gobbling up all the available dollars out there to service this massive debt. And not only, well, I'm not going to get into all that right now. But the point is, the economy isn't as good as we're being led to believe, though it is very good. But it's short-lived. All economies are short-lived, bad, good, and otherwise. The things that we're not getting right now, the real big important issues that are actually getting worse right now, those are the most important things in terms of the long-term consequences to our country. Chief among them, illegal immigration and the debt. And both of those have gotten substantially worse since Trump took office. But you can't, you're not going to hear that listening to Rush Limbaugh or Sean Hannity or a lot of these other people. And this is the problem with those people is because that is where you, you take Fox News and the big conservative talkers, Hannity, Limbaugh, who each have millions upon millions of listeners. You combine those. That's where most conservatives and Republicans get their information. Okay. That's where they're getting their opinions on this stuff. They're not getting conservative opinions anywhere else in media. They're not getting it from CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, wherever. They're not getting any conservative opinion or thought in the mainstream media, period. Okay, They might get some of their news from those places, but they're not getting any conservative opinion. And conservative opinion is what, you know... Hearing conservative opinion on TV and radio, this is what influences the mind of the Republican voter. The truth of the matter is, whether it's Democrat or Republican, most people are not the, the, their points of view on these political issues. They didn't come up with on their own. They were influenced by what they heard other people that they agree with say. So, for example, this tweet, this guy, I agree with you, Mark, but do you remember the throwing granny off the cliff and the, all Republicans want your kids to die? You know, th this, this guy just passed as his own thought on to me. He, he comments to me, passing off this as his own thought. Well, this was almost verbatim what Rush Limbaugh said. And this is my point. This is where a lot of Republicans get their opinion. This is what shapes their opinion. Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, Fox News, all these places where they hear conservatives that they like and trust, when they hear them say something, well, then a lot of these Republican voters adopt those things as their own thoughts and opinions. And that is where the problem lies. That is the problem with talk radio and Fox News as it exists now. It used to be Fox News and, and talk radio was a great thing for the Republicans, for the conservative movement. 
not so much Republican. I mean, they're still great for Republicans, I guess. But in terms of the conservative movement, serious people who are serious about the issues, they used to be. They used to be a good thing. They used to be a positive influence, like when Clinton was president, Obama was president. You'd get serious talk about the long-term consequences of debt and illegal immigration, for example. Because they would criticize then, when there was a Democrat president and we had massive debt, we'd get criticism. We'd get honest discussion about what the long-term consequences of massive debt is. We don't get that anymore. Now we get is stupid comments from people like Rush Limbaugh telling us how this massive debt and this Nancy Pelosi budget deal is brilliant. That's what we get now. And so that's what Republicans are hearing. That's what a lot of Republicans on our side now adopt as their thoughts because they heard Rush Limbaugh say it and they heard Sean Hannity say it and they heard the Fox News lineup say it, that this is brilliant. And so now that's the Republican line on Nancy Pelosi's budget deal. Signing a Nancy Pelosi budget deal is brilliant. Because it takes the issue off the table and also because we got to fund our military. That's ridiculous. But this is the level of stupid now that has gripped the Republican Party. And it's largely because we have a lapdog conservative media. And what's so funny is these same people like Limbaugh and Hannity, Lamb. I mean, they go crazy. I mean, how much time do they spend destroying the liberal media? And chief among their complaints is they're nothing but they're, they're, they're the lapdog media for the Democrat Party. Well, these same people are nothing but the lapdog media for Trump. Because you can't even have a serious conversation about any issue because everything Trump does on, on these issues, good, bad, or otherwise, is brilliant. Well, if that's, if that's your hot take on everything Trump does, then you're not a serious person. And what you're getting on those places uh, are, are not serious discussions. I mean, I don't have to listen to Rush Limbaugh to know what Rush Limbaugh is going to say on anything Trump does. And neither do you. You know before you tune in. He's going to say it's brilliant. Now, you might have to tune in to get the specifics of why it's brilliant. What, you know ridiculous bullshit explanation are we going to get to you know to explain why signing nancy pelosi's budget deal is brilliant i mean you might have to tune into rush limbaugh as i did to hear why it's brilliant but you know that he's going to say it's brilliant you don't got to tune in you know you don't there's no suspense oh no you know trump signing this horrible nancy pelosi budget deal is is rush limbaugh going to criticize him <laughs> no no, there's no suspense there. No suspense. You don't got to turn in to Rush Limbaugh to, to, to get the answer to that question. And so the problem with, and I'm saying Limbaugh over and over, because Limbaugh's the big dog, you know, him and Hannity. But it's not just them. There's lots of lesser shows that are still big. Much to my great dis... Well, I'm not going to name any more names. Let's just, you know... Talk radio. Honest opinion. In fact, well, we may get honest opinion, but we don't get a serious discussion. We get stupid crap like everything Trump does is brilliant. Signing Pelosi's budget deal is brilliant. Um, but not only that, not only do we get these, these, these stupid justifications in order to say that everything Trump is, does is brilliant. We get lies and misinformation, too. 
You don't get the truth from the mainstream media. You just don't. We can all agree to that. That's why places like Rush Limbaugh Show, Fox News, and other places used to be so so important and such a positive influence is because they would get out truthful information that wasn't being covered or put out by the mainstream media. That is less and less the case today. In fact, we are getting a lot of misinformation from these conservative, quote-unquote conservative talk show hosts. And I'll give you a perfect example on the issue of illegal immigration. We are told, you know, Trump tells us, Trump has a reason, you know, because he's the one in office and he needs to make excuses for why he's not doing everything that he could be doing. But he tells us, well, there's nothing else I could do. We need new laws passed by Congress. Well, that's just complete bullshit. It's not true. He has all the tools he needs under current law to tackle illegal immigration and to secure our border. That's the truth. I've gotten into it before. I'll get into it again. It's not my purpose right now. You want to hear that stuff, go to, go back to previous shows for more information about, about what other things Trump could be doing right now that he's not doing to secure our border and to combat illegal immigration. So, but the point is, there's much more that he can be doing. But he doesn't want you to know that, so he tells you that there's nothing else that he can do. He wants to put all the blame on Democrats. He's a politician. I'm not surprised that he would say that. The problem is, we don't have an honest conservative media anymore. And so what they do is they repeat the lies and propagate their own all along that line to say, you know, to try to convince all of us Republicans so that we don't put any blame on Trump, that we don't get upset at Trump at all for not taking these steps that he could be taking. They keep telling us the same thing, that there's nothing he can do. He's the only one trying. It's the stupid courts, which, you know, of course the courts are a huge problem and have been an impediment, but we're not even being honest about what the courts have done and what we can do in response to the courts and what Trump can do in response to the courts. You know, a lot of these things that Trump has been slapped down, these have been these have been nationwide injunctions placed upon the Trump administration by district court judges. District courts are trial courts. You know who sits on a district court? One fucking guy. Just one guy. One guy or woman. One lawyer who is appointed to be a judge. That's it. It's not an appellate court. It's not a panel of judges. It's one guy sitting in one small district. Just one tiny little district somewhere, usually in San Francisco. And he, you know, the way it's supposed to work is each district court judge has jurisdiction only over his little tiny district. So if he wants to issue an injunction, it only applies to his district. Well, now we we have district court judges issuing injunctions and uh, making them nationwide, saying, well, you can't do this not just in my district, but you can't do it anywhere in the country. District court judges have no authority to do that. But it doesn't matter because we... The stupid sheep of America have been led to believe by the media and the morons in our own conservative media. Well, there's nothing you can do. The courts, the courts are the final say. We can't, you know, if the courts are the final say and there's nothing you can do and you have to obey whatever judge, whatever some judge anywhere says about anything, 
then we don't have the constitutional republic that you think we have. We have judicial supremacy. That's what we have. We don't have three co-equal branches of government. We have one supreme branch and then two lesser branches. That's what we have. If you listen to the idiots on our side making excuses for following every rogue judge's unconstitutional nationwide ban on anything Trump does. Trump should be ignoring these bans. Fine. You tell me I can't do this? Fine, I won't do it in your stupid little jurisdiction. That's it. Everywhere else, I'm going to keep doing it. We don't have any conversation about the seriousness of the problem with the courts or what things we actually could do to push back against the courts. Now, they just propagate the lie, well, it's the courts, so we can't do anything. Or, you know, Congress has to change the laws, so Trump can't do anything. These are lies. And this is a disservice to the Republican Party. It's a disservice to the to people in our country who are serious about the issues and serious about the future of the country. If we aren't armed with the factual information about what our president can do and cannot do, then we can't even objectively judge his performance because we're mistaken about what it is he is doing and can do. If you think that there's nothing the president can do on illegal immigration that he hasn't already done, then you are not going to be you're not going to be able to objectively and honestly and accurately assess his performance because you're under a misunderstanding. You think he can't do anything else. That's not true. He can. If you knew that, would maybe you speak up? If you knew that Trump was really, in in all full honesty, doing next to nothing in terms of what he could be doing, on the issue of illegal immigration. Imagine if everyone on our side actually knew that. Do you think that maybe more people would speak out and try to put pressure on him to do more? I think so. But the reason we can't put pressure on him to do more is because so few of us even understand the fact that there's more that he can do. We got stupid mindless sheep walking around telling each other that there's nothing the president can do, nothing the president can do. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. Blame the Democrats. This is the stupid moment we're in. The problem is that the issues are not insignificant. The issues have never been more significant. And yet we have stupid Republicans walking around not having the first clue about what actually is going on. Why? Because they get their news and information by talk radio and Fox News who are lying to them. Some of them are lying because they simply don't want to tell you the truth about what Trump is doing. But honestly, I think most of them don't know themselves. Most of them, the great majority of them, really don't have the first freaking clue themselves. They just they just all repeat what each other say. I, I never hear, a, 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 you know, an original thought by any of these buffoons, to be honest. Especially, you know, Fox News and, and a lot of these other places. There's no originality of thought. There's no serious discussion. And so the result is the level of ignorance on our own side is off the charts. And in order to have a properly functioning republic, in order for us as people, you know, supposed to be self-governance, right? Self-determination. If we're going to make, if we're going to govern ourselves, 
under our current constitutional system, then it is required that we have an informed citizenry. And we don't. We don't. We know the left are nothing but a bunch of idiots because they get all their information from this, these left-wing media sources. Well, we know for a fact they're not getting the truth. So that's half the population right there don't have a, the first clue about what's actually going on in this country. But sadly, I would say most of the people on our side are just as ignorant about the truth of what's going on in this country. They're not dealing with the same ignorance. They're ignorant in different ways. But they're ignorant nonetheless. And if nobody is really armed with the facts and a true understanding of what the Constitution is, what the current law is, what's being done, what can be done, what the effect of these issues are. If nobody knows really anything about anything, if everything is just pom-poms and celebrations for their side and you know criticisms of the other side, If that's all it is, is it's just yay team and boo the other team, there's no seriousness. There's no serious discussion of the issues. And so if there's no serious discussion or consideration of the issues, then upon what basis are we casting our votes? At that point, we're not really voting on issues. We're just voting on personalities. We're voting on tribes. We're voting on teams. And if that's all we're doing, folks, our future is going to be bleak. We are fast running out of time. Politically, economically, socially. We're heading towards the perfect storm. And I don't think it's too far away. Politically speaking, we're losing the country. And I, I know people on our side think that Trump's election is in the bag and that's all that matters. Well, Trump may be reelected. But which way is this country going even right now under Trump? Massive debt, massive illegal immigration. Yeah, we got a good economy, but that's not always going to be. And because of the illegal immigration and the massive debt, we're going to make it more and more difficult in the future to have a good economy. You like good economies if that's all that's important to you? Well, then you need to insist that we get these other things under control because those things are going to prevent us from having a good economy in the future. But so because of the good economy, a lot of people on our side think, and because the Democrat Party is so nuts, and they are, they think that Trump's reelection is assured. I'm here to tell you it's not. And even if Trump is reelected, which he may well be, after that, I've said this many times, Trump may be the last Republican president. And I'm serious as hell about that. Because we are about to lose a whole bunch of states that we need right now to win in the Electoral College. Chief among them is Texas. If we lose Texas and and one or two others, we have zero chance of winning the presidency in the Electoral College. There's There's just no way. And if we get to the point that we lose Texas, we already would have lost those other states too. Arizona. You lose Arizona and Texas, you know, turn out the lights. We're done. And we are so close to losing those states because of illegal immigration and some other factors, but chief among them is illegal immigration. And in truth, it may already be too late to prevent 
Texas from turning blue. And the reason is because even if we stop all illegal immigration, I don't want to get too far down this tangent now. I've really got to wrap up the show for today. But even if we stop all illegal immigration right now, no more illegal aliens come to Texas. And even if we stop the influx of leftists moving from California and other places, just think about the illegal aliens who are already in Texas. Millions of them. And every time they have a child on American soil, because we're idiots of the highest order and we grant birthright citizenship to the children of illegal aliens, contrary to what the 14th Amendment says. And we have no law, by the way. There's no statute that says we're supposed to give uh, citizenship to the children of illegal aliens. This is just like some bureaucratic tradition that we started a few decades back. It's insanity. But we can't even get rid of that. We can't even get rid of that, which is not a constitutional requirement and is not a statute. We can't even get rid of just some bureaucratic thing. We can't even undo that. And we can't be honest about that because I mentioned this the other day on Twitter and Facebook and got attacked for it. Because remember when Trump said he was going to end birthright citizenship by executive order? That was almost a year ago he said that. Um, he should, and he can. He has the power to do that. Why? Because it's not a law. He's not passing a new law. He's not undoing a current law. It doesn't run contrary to the Constitution because the 14th Amendment, unlike what, you know, contrary to what the idiots on both sides will tell you, um, you know, they'll tell you that the 14th Amendment requires us to give citizenship to the children of illegal aliens. That's not at all what it requires. It's it's bullshit. It's not true. That for another day, though. Um, and so he has the authority to do that because he wouldn't be acting contrary to a statute. He wouldn't be acting contrary to the Constitution. He would just be issuing basically an order to his executive branch that we are not going to uh, confer citizenship on the children of illegal aliens because there's no nothing in the law or the Constitution that requires us to do that. And so we're just not going to do that anymore. He can do that. He said he was going to do that. He's not doing it. But so we do that because we're insane. No, no, no sane, rational country would give citizenship, citizenship in their country, to the children of people who broke into that country in con contravention of that country's laws. They would not reward the children of those people with citizenship. Yet we do. And there's no serious discussion at all to, to do away with that, despite the fact that, pro that Trump promised that he was going to do that almost a year ago. And uh, still nothing. So we do it. So imagine all those millions of illegal aliens in Texas right now. Every one of their children that they have on American soil is an American citizen. On balance, how do you think the children of illegal aliens living in this country are going to vote? You think they're going to vote for Republicans? Yeah, some of them might. Percentage-wise, what percentage do you think will vote for Republicans? 5%? 10%? Even if it's 20%, okay? Say it's 20% which I don't think it would be anywhere close to 20%. <clears throat> Even if 20% of the children of illegal aliens, the American citizen children of illegal aliens, even if 20% of them in Texas vote for Republicans, that means 80% of them are voting for Democrats. There's millions of these people. And every year, more and more of them are coming of age and are able to vote. So we have a whole slew, millions of Democrats in Texas 
Children of illegal aliens living in Texas just waiting in the pipeline. And they're getting older and older. And as they reach 18, they'll start to vote for Democrats. And that alone, given the closeness of, of Texas now, people don't understand how close Texas is now. It's close. Given how close it is, even if we stop all illegal immigration right now, the children of illegal aliens currently living in Texas and who are yet to be born in Texas, um, just those in the pipeline may be enough for us to lose Texas in the future. Once that happens, forget about it. It's over. We can't win the presidency anymore. We won't be, report we won't be nominating any more judges. Every judge in the entire judiciary, every Supreme Court justice will be appointed by a Democrat. What do you think will happen if we have a judiciary just totally controlled by Democrat appointees? What do you think that uh, portends for your constitutional rights? What do you think that portends for the Second Amendment? Hmm? What do you think is going to happen to this country when all we have are Democrat presidents? What kind of socialist garbage are we going to get? What do you think they're going to do to our health care? What do you think they're going to do to our borders? Throw them open even more. I mean, we'll probably welcome them in and give them citizenship and voting rights the second they walk over our border. Oh, and of course, on top of that, free health care and welfare and all that stuff. Free college. That's our future. If Democrats have a lock on the presidency. And they will have a lock on the presidency once they flip to states like Texas and Arizona. And we are very close to that happening. That's why I say we are very close to this country completely unraveling. And we can't even wake up people on our own side. We can't even mobilize people on our own side to pressure the one guy who could actually do something about illegal immigration with the authority constitutional and statutory authority that he has right now. He's the only person who can do something about it. And we refuse to put any pressure on him because we're being led into ignorance by idiot talkers on our own side who do nothing but want to cheerlead the president like this is some kind of fucking game. Well, it's not a fucking game. This is serious. It's about the future of the country, but nobody wants to talk about that. They just want to do the stupid daily politics. So Trump tweets something. He makes fun of some idiot congresswoman. And uh, that's it. That's all we talk about for a week. We don't talk about the border. We don't talk about the future. We don't talk about the debt. We don't talk about the collapse that will follow all of this nonsense, this insanity. We don't talk about any of that. Nope. We talk about Trump's tweets for a week. This is why it's hard to be a conservative today. And as I said, this has less to do with my comments about Trump right now. This is about us. This is about the Republican Party. This is about the voters. This is about what we demand and what we tolerate. And what we tolerate and promote is a complete lack of seriousness. This is a clown show. This is a circus what we have going on, on in this country right now. And we can't even have a conversation about it seriously anywhere in the media. Except for small shows like mine and a handful of others. That's it. And I'm not talking about the never Trump types because they're just as ridiculous. Because they're not serious either. They just want to, you know, they didn't want Trump elected. They hated Trump. 
And now they're just pissed that, uh, you know, that Republicans voted contrary to how they wanted them to vote and they voted for Trump and now they're pissed and they just want Trump defeated so that they can say, see, I told you, I told you. That's all the never Trumpers want. Well, they're no help either then. Okay, so there's a small, small handful of us, me, a few other talkers and a few of you out there in the listening audience who are serious who understand the problem, who want to talk about this serious, who want our fellow Americans to get serious so that we could turn this around and prevent the disaster that is not very far away. But we can't do it because we're living in some of the stupidest political times that I can remember, that I can even remember reading about in history. I mean, this is one of the dumbest periods in American political history. And if the stakes weren't so high, well, maybe we could joke about it a little bit. But to me, it's not a laughing matter. It's too serious to be a laughing matter. So with that, I'm going to end the show. Um, Thank you for listening to me as I kind of ranted a little bit. I didn't get actually to most of what I wanted to talk about. I did want to talk a little bit more about issues instead of just the politics of this stupid moment in time. But Hey, the show goes where it kind of goes off the top of my head. So thank you for listening. If you like the show, please, on whatever platform you listen to it, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever, please go ahead and leave a positive review. Give me a thumbs up or a star or whatever it is. Help me spread the word about this show. Recommend it to other people. If you know other people out there who are actually serious about the issues, Please recommend this show to them. I know not everybody listens to podcasts, but everybody should listen to podcasts. To me, and, and I'm I, to be honest, I'm a pretty new podcast listener myself, but to me, podcasts are far superior than terrestrial talk radio. You don't got to put up with the commercials. Um, even the shows that do have commercials, you can skip through them, can listen whenever. You don't have to tune in from 12 to 3 or 3 to 6 or whatever it is. You can listen whenever, wherever you want to. Uh, and there's a lot... There's a, a greater diversity of opinion out there in the podcast world. And if there are people out there who you think you know are serious about the issues and would appreciate some serious straight talk about this stuff, not Trump hatred, not Trump sycophancy, you know, not nothing but pom-poms or Trump hate 24-7. If you want someone who, you know, is a conservative, you know, you know someone who's a conservative um, and is serious about the issues, please recommend this podcast. If you want to help support the show, you can go over to patreon.com slash Mark Pantano and help support the show that way. But anyways, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. And remember, until next time, continue to fight the left like your freedom depends on it. Because it does. (laughs) 